Welcome to the Between Two Pulpits podcast. I'm your host, Katie Snyder, and also our host is John Wilkinson. Today, before we get started with our podcast, we have a couple of announcements. First, Peace and Global Witness offering season is happening right now. This offering is collected on World Communion Sunday, which is coming up. And this year, we're celebrating 40 years of our commitment to peace. Part of this time includes a daily devotion, which can be emailed to you. So if you'd like that, you can find that link in the show notes. And there's also a link where you can download all of the devotions. And if you're listening to this at some point in the future, when the season of peace season is over, know that that link to sign up is still available. And that way you'll be all set for next year's seasons of peace devotions. The last announcement I have is to make sure you check out the new Presbyterian Giving Catalog. It's just come out. You'll find a link to it in our show notes. We hope that you'll check this out because this is such a great opportunity for all of us to do just a little and it to add up to so very much. This episode of Between Two Pulpits actually is part two. Part one uh, with Carl Horton is the episode prior to this one, so make sure you listen to that one first before jumping in here. Carl Horton has a great bio that you can check out in our show notes, but he is the coordinator for the Presbyterian Peacemaking Program, and we've spent a lot of time talking with him about the program and all that that entails. Today, we're picking up where we left off. Carl's about to share with us some new resources from the Presbyterian Peacemaking Program that he hopes will breathe new life into churches that are doing peacemaking. So let's jump back in. So you mentioned the new resources. Do you want to say a little bit more about what those new resources are? Well, the one, yeah, the one that I'm real excited about, and I'll mention one first, one that I think a lot of people would be aware of. Back in the 90s, when the Presbyterian Church was struggling around issues of ordination, marriage, but really early 90s when it was ordination issues, the Presbyterian Peacemaking Program provided a tool to the General Assembly meeting that was so well affirmed and embraced that the Assembly asked that this tool be made available to all congregations. And that's called Seeking to be Faithful Guidelines for Presbyterians in Times of Disagreement. And that resource has been around now for 30 years. We've recently re-released that as a digital resource, and we tweaked some of the language and updated it so that it could be useful today. It still was useful. It's a really good guide. And I hear of congregations using it in their new elder and deacon training, sharing it with new members, so that we create this, we create this climate of ability. You know, we create the space where Presbyterians can be in conversation about difficult issues and yet remain in community. You know, Christ didn't want the church to divide over this issue or that issue. And so so the idea is that a tool for Presbyterians to know how to stay in good relationship with each other, even when we disagree. So that's one of those tools that's uh, fully downloadable from our webpage, also can be ordered in a printed copy. And I, we still have congregations ordering that resource and distributing it, especially before a difficult congregational meeting. 
There's even a pocket guide that like would fit in your wallet or your billfold. So it's a really nice little cheat sheet on these like main points of, of what we do um, when we disagree, the things to keep in mind. And it's all biblically based. It's it's good, solid Presbyterian reform theology put into practice. And I think it's a great reminder because some of us can forget these basic understandings of how to behave when we get a little bit um, hot under the collar for it, you know, or we get passionate about an issue. So that's one resource that's still around, still helpful, um, very connected to this particular program and its its work. Because we do, I think we are an office that wants to help the church deal with conflict. Um, and that's a part of what it means to be a peacemaker. The other resource is called the Companion Guide to the Commitment to Peacemaking. And we developed that about three years ago. It is a, basically it does a number of things. It takes the commitment to peacemaking and it helps a congregation take it up a notch, if you will. So let's say you are a congregation that made this commitment to peacemaking. There are several goals of this. We wanted to provide a curated collection of resources in five different areas of focus. So we wanted to challenge congregations to expand their understanding of peacemaking, try something new, and we focused on five areas. And these won't sound unfamiliar because this is aligned with Matthew 25. Two of those areas are poverty and racism. We also have a section on violence. So a congregation that wants to focus its peacemaking work on violence. So there's a section on violence that also gets to structural violence. So not just violence between people, but violence that is uh, more woven into the structures and systems and how a church could address those. So poverty, racism, violence, Earth justice, climate care is one of the areas, and then migration and immigration. So those five areas are the focus areas, and then it's a curated collection. So we had colleagues assemble best resources for worship, study, partnership, advocacy, and action. So it basically is all online fully linked. So this isn't a printed book you can order. It's got about 250 links embedded in the resource. So let's say your congregation wants to focus on racism, but really hasn't done that before and doesn't know how. So it's a curated set of worship materials that you can use to begin using prayers and sermon prompts and liturgies. It's got book study. It's got resources, movies, websites. It's got reputable partners that that uh, you can work with, national and local or regional partners listed. And then it's got suggestions for action and advocacy. What's a letter writing campaign you can do? What's a community huh. event you can organize? So it's not exhaustive because we didn't want to wear our congregations out with this material, but it is it's curated. So it's a selected set of resources. We can update it as we go. But yeah, it's the companion guide to the commitment to peacemaking. And the other thing is we're encouraging congregations to do this as a year-round process, not just during the season of peace, not just for the month of September, October, but engage in this commitment to peacemaking throughout the year and um, celebrate it 
on World Communion Sunday when you receive, hopefully, the Peace and Global Witness offering, and then start your next year. And the other thing we really know is all of these issues are intersectional. A congregation that's been working on poverty for a long time will understand that racism connects to that, or violence also is something that's connected. So all of these are intersectional. A congregation could go really deep and be focused on racism for a number of years, or they might try racism as a focus one year and then go into a poverty focus the next. So anyway, that's that's the second, that's the newest resource that we're really excited about, and it's there and ready to go. We actually just sent out with the quarterly mailing from Special Offerings a pamphlet about it, a little brochure that talks about the companion guide explains it. So folks that get that packet might be able to find it there. Thanks, Carl. That sounds terrific. And I know in the program notes, we'll put where all the links are. I was just thinking as you were talking about the first resource, the in times of disagreement, there there was a point probably three or four years when I was traveling to some presbyteries or in my own presbyteries where at every presbytery meeting, that summary page was printed in the Presbytery agenda just to remind us of what those principles were. And it was always, and sometimes we referred to them and sometimes we didn't, but they were always there as a kind of uh, testimony to what we're committed to. So I'm glad to know that 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 resource still has some shelf life to it in congregations and in in Presbytery. So thanks for that reminder. I think it's an important resource because I think right now in our society, we have a hard time remembering how to be in disagreement with each other and still in community. But all of these resources sound absolutely amazing. I know also that we have the Season of Peace devotional going on right now so that you can get a daily email reminding you to reflect on on peace. We You, you had a bunch of different contributors. Do you want to say anything about the Season of Peace and what all was involved or, or anything about that? Yeah, the... Um... I was just looking for it in my email because it comes every day. Yeah, during the season of peace, which is um, the four weeks, pretty much four weeks leading up to World Communion Sunday, um, there are lots of resources for congregations. And I'm really gratified. I know a lot of congregations that use these resources. The one, um, and some of them are available year after year, an international, uh, intergenerational peace fair, a curriculum for children, a curriculum for adults, peace cards, a huge doodle poster from Illustrated Min- uh, Ministry that we created a number of years ago. Those are all on the Season of Peace webpage that you can get either through the Peacemaking Program webpage or through special offerings. You can link to Season of Peace materials. The daily devotional is called Path of Peace. It changes every year. This year, uh, Julie Cox was our project manager, and she assembled a collection of uh, daily devotion reflections. And what we did this year is we we are celebrating the 40 years of the commitment to peacemaking, and we invited uh, contributors to reflect on what it mean, what peacemaking means in the Presbyterian Church and their way of being involved. And we really pulled people from all four decades of, of peacemaking. And in fact, we had one of the uh, persons who was on the writing team for Peacemaking the Believer's Call back in 1980 is a contributor. So um, we have past staff members, we have past participants, mid-council leaders, 
So that's this year's uh, Path of Peace reflections. The other thing I'll say about that is, you know, those finish up on World Communion Sunday, but we decided we wanted to expand that and actually print a devotional booklet. In addition to those, we asked a few more people to contribute. So we're going to have 40 reflections for 40 years of the commitment to peacemaking, which will be available to order and will be one of those old-fashioned printed books that a church could use any time of the year. But it is, um, it'll have 40 reflections for the 40 years of the commitment to peacemaking. And that I don't have ready yet, but watch for that soon. That will be available. We'll have a um, order number for it and folks can order those and make them available to their congregations. And that'll be on the PCUSA store. I am sure assuming. will. Yes. That would be the place to look for it. That's, that's yep. fantastic. Yep. Hopefully if you type in the number 40, maybe it'll pop up. I know sometimes, and I don't have a number, a PDS number, an order number for it yet. Commitment to peacemaking or 40 years, it ought to show up, I hope. As long as that's in the title, it will. Yeah. And you know that. So that's good. Katie. I do know that. Actually, there's a fantastic video. If you are ever trying to navigate PCUSA store and you can't figure out how to find what you're looking for, there's a great video that's like two minutes long that'll tell you everything about how to find it. Because it's not as complicated as you think, but if you don't know the language, you can get lost. So, mm -hmm. okay. Where do you see God at work in the peacemaking work that we're currently engaged in? Oh, wow. Where where don't I see God at work in the peacemaking work? Honestly, so much of the work that we do in peacemaking and congregations do, so it's not just our office, but at all levels of the Presbyterian Church, peacemaking work is about relationship. And having just had these eight peacemakers here in Louisville, it, it is just amazing the relationships that Presbyterians have in our own communities you know, nationally in this country and globally, so much of peace work involves relationship, meeting the stranger, meeting the other, becoming real, hearing about other people's lives and work. Honestly, these eight peacemakers, last week was a powerful week. They each presented their presentations that they will be presenting in congregations and presbyteries, but they each presented their presentations for each other. So the real privilege was we got to sit through, you know, eight different presentations and they were powerful. I mean, just so we have folks this year from Cuba, El Salvador, Liberia, Palestine, let me see, Poland, Indonesia, Greece. And these are stories of refugee and uh, ministries with refugees and immigrants on borders or these are stories of living life under occupation, of migration and ministry with migrants. So these are these are real life stories. So I think peacemaking is, you know, anyway, to answer your question, I see God in the relationships, in the stories. I also see God in outcomes. And we don't always get to see outcomes. You know, if you you understand as educators, we don't always See, you know, we plant seeds. We don't necessarily see the fruit, but there is fruit. And maybe it's because I've been around long enough, like John, I start to get to a point where I'm beginning to 
realize that ministry does bear fruit, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it is in the moment. And maybe I'm being a little nostalgic here, but after 40 years of a Presbyterian church, of a denomination such as ours, having this kind of bold commitment to, and stating very clearly, we believe in peace in all of its forms, and we're opposed to violence in all of its forms. I just, I think I do see outcomes that that really affirm this this ministry. So I feel there, believe me, Katie, there are days where I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> we're not, we are not going to be able to change anything about this world or the way this world works. But we do, we do make a difference. And our congregations make a difference. And so, you know, a lot of Small differences add up to big difference. So anyway, I I see God at work in very small ways in one-on-one relationships, but I also see God at work in larger endeavors of our church. And sometimes I will admit that can come through action of a general assembly when we actually um, state something boldly and we speak prophetically. And so, Yeah. I, I see God at work in so many ways. There are days where I don't or I where my frustration gets in the way, but I think that's just my own blinders because God is at work. That's that's wonderful. That's that's really wonderful. John, do you have any other questions that you'd like to ask Carl? No, that's a great that's a great response, Carl. I appreciate I appreciate it and your faithfulness to it. Maybe my question is a little more open-ended. If you could, you know, with whoever our audience is. If you could tell them something about your work or the offering or what they might not know that they should know, what what would you want them to know? I I'm I love the offering. So let me just say the the I think our special offerings are another great hallmark of what it means to be Presbyterian. These four opportunities for all of us to do a little something above and beyond our regular giving to our church in these focused areas. So I think each of the offerings in its own way is is special, and it helps our church focus on peacemaking, on one great hour of sharing and disaster and development and hunger. It helps us focus on at-risk youth and theological uh, our theological institutions and our retired church workers. So I think each of these is that oh yeah, here's a special way I can contribute. Now, the thing I will say about Peace and Global Witness, the way our offering is structured, where 50% of this offering stays, 50% fully stays at the local and regional level, I think that's truly grassroots. I think that truly is consistent with the way peacemaking happens, right? Um, So, Peacemaking isn't something that an office in Louisville does. It's the work of the whole church. And 50% of this offering stays with congregations and mid-councils, and they get to do whatever they understand peacemaking to be. That's where those on-the-ground stories come. The portion I do get questions like, well, what happens with the 50% that comes to Louisville? And we do have an interpretive sheet that we can share, but basically a lot of what comes to Louisville helps fund the staff and programs that we have in place and 
any initiative that may come from the General Assembly that asks us to do something, we can use our budgeted money for that and sometimes some additional money that the Assembly would assign for a project. But any resource that comes out of the peacemaking program, our conferences, our travel study seminars, our international peacemakers, all of those are funded through the Peace and Global Witness Offering and three staff members and then our colleagues in special offerings so that we can have an offering. The other way in which we do get funding, which I'm a big believer in, John, is through the Presbyterian Giving Catalog, because we do put some projects into the Giving Catalog, which is new, and John's holding it up. Yeah, we that is a great way Presbyterians can support partners and projects and so the giving catalog is is another great way that we're able to extend our peacemaking witness to partners and particular projects that we've identified in the giving catalog. So I'm two thumbs up for the giving catalog as well. That's great. Thanks, Carl, for all that response. And I think it's helpful for people to know that some of the details about how this offering is implemented and the, the divisions and the grassroots commitment. So thanks for that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love that idea of this offering being grassroots and that following how peacemaking works. I think that's very, very like well tied together and, and great. So I'm going to ask you one final question, and that is, what is your hope for the church? Gosh, Katie, and you told me that question was coming. I haven't written my answer out, but um, honestly, I still think I still think the church is and can be the hope for the world. So the hope for the church is that it continues to bring hope and bear hope and be hope in our world. We are inside the church and outside the church in times of transition and times of uncertainty. And that that's a heavy load. And it makes us anxious. It makes us nervous. And sometimes I think it can stall our ministry or make us too self-absorbed or focused. My hope for the church is that in tumultuous times, whether they be internal or external, tumult, that we continue to be the church and be faithful to our mission in the world. Because I do think we are hope for the world. Doesn't always feel that way. Doesn't always look that way. But I do think that is a part of the promise when when, when the church was commissioned, when the church came into existence, it was intended to be the hope for the world. We still are that. And we don't operate perfectly, and we have our own issues and problems. But I do still think that God is at work in and through us in, in large ways and in small, in ways we can notice and ways we never will notice you know, I think that's my answer is that we will continue to be the hope for the world. And that means that we remain relevant. We remain involved. Our doors remain open. Our hearts remain open. And we recognize the spirit is still moving in and through us. And there may just be that new great new thing that's happening that we may not know, but we're open to it. So I, I trust that. I always have. So anyway, I'd love to also say that peacemaking is the hope for the world. <laughs> Little plug for the program is uh, great hope for the church is that we would remain to as peacemakers in this world and be known for that. Yeah. No, those are all really great thoughts, great reflections, great remarks. And yeah, we would hope that peacemaking would still be be part of all of this. 
Well, Carl, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for sharing everything that you have about the peacemaking program. It is fantastic. I learned so much. I don't know about you, John, but this was this was fabulous. It was. No, it was. It was. I'm looking. I'm in my office in Louisville and up on my wall is a wooden cross that the Presbytery of Scioto Valley gave to my dad when he retired and they had a peacemaking award and they gave it to my dad. And his commitment at that time as he was retiring was around the death penalty and and working to eradicate it. So as Carl suggested, there are a million different ways that we can think about what peacemaking looks like locally and nationally and internationally. And I'm really grateful. Um, It was no uncontroversial thing 43 years ago to make the statement that we made and then to try to enact it in our the life of the church. 40 years ago. So I'm grateful for Carl's stewardship of that legacy and that we have this offering that can invite people to support it. So it's been a it's been a great, great conversation, Carl. I'm grateful, grateful for your ministry and your leadership as well. Well, thank you both for the opportunity. And I do want folks, if there's any question that folks have about the peacemaking program, or, you know, I do find there are congregations that don't remember if they signed it or not, or when they did. Like I said, we still have those. We have a filing cabinet with paper copies. If you if your congregation signed it, we can probably scan that and, and you can see the names of the people who signed it and the date. But yeah, we are here to um, really provide support to congregations that are peacemaking and those that aren't. If there's a congregation that wants to become a peacemaking pro- congregation, we've got materials for you as well. So Anyway, wonderful talking with you both. Delighted that you all have this podcast. All right. Well, good to be with you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Between Two Pulpits with Carl Horton. Be sure to check out the show notes for all of the links to all of the resources that we mentioned in this episode. If you liked what you heard today, then consider supporting us by subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a review because that helps other people find us. You can also share this episode or other episodes with other people who you think might enjoy it so that everyone can hear all of the great resources and encouragement that we have for you in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and go in peace.